Hello, everybody. This is Rashad Gibson with another episode of Gospel Thoughts, uh, show number 16. No, I think it's 17 now. I'm sorry. Show number 17. We're just moving along uh, with our podcast. And today I'm just going to be sharing a quick word from numbers 13 and 14. You know, this actually... This podcast, like many of my other podcasts, are birthed out of prayer and, you know, these thoughts come into my mind, which I believe is the Holy Spirit just placing thoughts in my mind or words of knowledge. And those words of knowledge begin to um, um, germinate or just begin to explode within my soul with these different thoughts and things that I want to express so that you know, maybe they'd be helpful help to you guys and maybe encouragement or, you know, however it may be, rebuke maybe. But today, you know, I was in prayer and I was, you know, praying about a lot of different things. And the story of Numbers 13 and 14 came to mind. And that story had to deal with Joshua and Caleb and the other 10 spies that went into the promised land to, to survey the land before Israel went into the land to conquer it. Now, the story is very is a very interesting story because I think it's very it's a parallel to what's going on in our day. And I'll explain it in a moment. Let me just share the story with you a little bit. So here it is, Joshua and Caleb, well, I will say the nation of Israel, they're getting ready to go into the promised land and they had just came out of Egypt and now they're in the promised land and I'm sorry, now they're now they're getting ready to promise going to the promised land, but um they decide to say let's go in and survey the land. So they go into the land and they say, okay, we're gonna go in, we're gonna take a, a leader from each tribe and so there are twelve tribes of Israel. So they 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 appoint um, a leader from each tribe and so they go into the, the land to spy it out, and they come back with, quote-unquote, an intelligence report, and they come back with some of the fruit that they were able to gather while they were in the land. Now, Joshua and Caleb were very confident from what they observed. They said, you know what? God has told us that, you know, this land is ours. Let's go ahead and do it. These people are bred to us. We can defeat them. The other 10 spies had a completely different perspective. They said, no, you know, we are like grasshoppers to these people because the people who were living in the land were the sons of Anak, Anak, A-N-A-K. These were descendants of the Nephilim. The Nephilim can be found in Genesis, Genesis 6. The Nephilim were giants. Um, these were very huge individuals. They were a hybrid type of creature, half human, half fallen angel, if you will. And these creatures were huge and they were vicious. So <clears throat> the sons of Enoch were descendants of the Nephilim. So the other 10 spies were terrified at these huge hybrid looking creatures. But Joshua and Caleb were not. It wasn't because they had a different visual sight of, of the other 10 spies. It's because they knew what God had said to them, and they knew that God was going to fight for them, regardless of what 
the sons of, or regardless of how huge and how expansive these sons of Anak was and how expansive these cities were and these strongholds, they knew that they can defeat them because God told them. Now, when after this report was given, the people of Israel were upset. They were angry. You know, they wanted to go back to Egypt. You know, why would you bring us out to the wilderness to die here and we're not going to defeat these people? And, you know, they wanted to go back to the old way. That's what they wanted to do. In fact, the text even says they picked up stones to stone Joshua and Caleb. They was getting ready to stone them. Now, you being asked that question, why would they want to stone the people that were actually giving them a positive report that confirmed the word of God? Why would they want to do that? But of course, the Lord defends Joshua and Caleb. The glory of the Lord came down and stopped that dead in his tracks. But then the Lord was very, very upset with these people because they didn't believe him. And the Lord was accepted to the point in which he was like, you know what? I want to destroy these people. I'm going to put pestilence on them because they just, they, they're just a stubborn people. And I begin to think about this particular story and I begin to think about it today. Today, the day we live in here in the United States, and I would say across the globe by and large, but here in the United States, the state specifically in context, Obviously, we're not going to, we're not looking to, you know, take over land. We're not looking to do that. But to the contrary, the globalists are looking to take over our land. They're looking to have absolute control over just about everything that we do. In other words, you know, in the story I just read or described, the, the sons of Israel were looking to go into the land and to um, remove the people out of the land because God said, that's your land. Now it's the opposite. Now the, the sons of Anak, these globalists, are looking to control us while being in our land and eventually destroying us all. You know, one of the things that I'm recognizing is this. What people don't, what people are not recognizing, the people who are just believing that this official narrative hook, line, and sinker, and who are, who do not choose to stand up for their rights and their liberties and things of that sort, it's almost like they want to be in agreement or be allies with the very globalists who look to enslave them. That's the thing that I don't, I don't understand. It's like why, and, and it could be the fact that people are ignorant to the reality of this globalistic agenda. It's been in the it's been in the works for years. And even they're even bold enough to even openly tout that they're globalists. But people, when they hear that term, they don't think nothing of it. I mean, this whatever. These people are looking to enslave you. And they've been doing it for years through the different trade treaties to to gut our American economy through NAFTA, through GATT, through WTO, all these different things economically to destroy our economy. And now you have the coronavirus, which is really like the death nail. And now you're beginning to see these draconian policies being handed out from 
these different governors across our nation. And then the scary thing is, you know, you, you, you could look at it like this. The draconian governors are like the the 10, the 10 spies. They're like them. You know, they they are going beyond the Constitution. They're going beyond the the word, the, the law, the law of the land, and they're handing out or they're ordering these very very draconian laws or, or orders, such as you can't go outside your house without a mask on. If anybody were to look at their state constitution, they will clearly see this is. An unlawful order. You can't do that. You can recommend, hey, yeah, you, you know, you should have a mask on, it, or, or you should have a mask. Yeah, you, know, you can recommend that, but it's up to the people to to decide whether you want to wear a mask or not. Because now what happens is, just as I reported or I posted on my page, there was a man in Philadelphia that didn't have a mask on, and he was sitting on a bus. And they forcibly removed him from the bus. The police did. And you sit back and you begin to look at these type of things. And you begin to ask the question. Who is actually the authority? Is it these rebellious mayors? Or, or these un, or, or these tyrants? Is it the, the, the tyrants of... The different state governors or the mayors or whoever who, who who come out with these particular unlawful orders? Or is it the actual constitution of the land? And many of us think, well, you know, it's our political leaders. No, it's not. They're elected officials who are under the authority of the constitution. And the constitution says that we the people are the authority, not them. It's always been like that. But for some reason, for some odd reason, we treat these people as if they're kings or queens. And they know that and they take advantage of that. So now what's happening is our nation that used to be a free republic is now starting to turn to a communist state. I mean, it gets even worse. You're getting a conflation of you know, Nazi Germany, a communist state, because you even have people now that will report if, say, for instance, you're not wearing a mask or, say, for instance, you're, you open up your small business, they'll report you to the Gestapo. Oh, so-and-so's, his business is open. He's a small business. Let me call the police. Let me call them because he shouldn't be having his business open. This is the type of foolishness that we're living in in this day. And then on top of that, you'll have people who get angry at other people for standing up for their liberties and freedoms. It's like the folks who get angry, I just, I, and, and the whole idea, the whole reality is it comes down to this. People are angry because they don't want the, the uh, economy to open back up. Which to me, there's so many different there's so many different reasons why that is a very very wrong perspective. And my my thing is this. Okay, say we go along with your hypothetical assertion that we should not open up the economy. 
let's let's ask the most obvious question: When should we open up the economy? Should we be like Bill Gates to say, "Hey, let's just shut the whole nation down to June"? Now, I want I want you to take into consideration a couple of things. As of right now, there are about 15 million people. It might be higher now. Last time I checked, I think it was last week. 15 million people who are on who are on unemployment. In a matter of a month, 15 million. So say we go up, Mr. Bill Gates, the 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 wizard of this whole thing, literally. But let's say um, we go along with his assertion that we should shut down the nation until June. What do you think that number would be by June? If in one month, there's already 15 million people who are out without a job. What do you think it'll be by June? What, 30 million, maybe 40 million people? What do you think that's going to do to small businesses and even larger corporations? They're going to shut down. Because a lot of the small businesses do not have the reserve funds to stay afloat. And then even when the economy does open up, it's still going to be slow because a lot of people are still going to be cautious of this virus because the media will keep this thing going because so many of you are just paralyzed with extreme fear. Now, Again, I'm not minimizing the reality of the coronavirus. Yes, it's killing people. Yes, people are dying from the coronavirus. However, I will point out that I do believe the numbers are inflated because even when you watched, this is a couple of weeks ago, Dr. Burke in her assertion of how they're assigning coronavirus deaths, in other words, the way they're assigning people who would die from the coronavirus it seems that there's a good portion of the deaths that are being attributed to the to the coronavirus is not from the coronavirus. In other words, like some people may come into the hospital and they have underlying conditions and they may have tested positive for the coronavirus, but the coronavirus may not be the actual reason for them dying. It may have contributed to, to them passing, but it could have been, you know, some other type of medical uh, problem they have that contributed to them dying. So it's not really a a really strict guideline to assign deaths from the coronavirus that is very accurate. So the numbers that we do have is probably not the most accurate numbers, but it inflates the actual count, which then therefore brings more fear to the matter. Now, some of you may have, have known, may have lost loved ones close to you. In fact, my family, my wife more, more so have lost someone very close to her. So, yes, this is a very serious problem. But what I am proposing is this. We will have a more serious problem. If we continue on the way we're going, it's, and it's not just the fact of opening the economy, it's the fact that we're not recognizing we're being controlled outside of the very constitution that's supposed to govern over us. We're being controlled by 
political leaders who are being really rogue and we're allowing them to be rogue. That's more or less a concern that I'm seeing because when you allow these these lead quote unquote political leaders to get away to get away with anything they can, I mean there's no no bounds to it. Especially especially when we allow it. Because the only way that these political leaders can get away with what they can is if we comply with it. That's that's the only way. And if it's unconstitutional, we don't have to abide by it. But the problem is, again, we treat these people who are elected officials as if they're kings and queens. When the reality is, no, you're governed, we're all governed by the Constitution. The Constitution gives the power to the people, not to kings and not to kings and queens or governors or mayors or anybody else. And that is why I get frustrated with people who get angry with other people for protesting for their freedom and rights. That's what you're supposed to be doing. But if you've been brainwashed, what you would do is you would say, no, we're supposed to be obedient to the person that's in the white, the white lab jacket or the governor or the mayor or whoever else when they're actually handing out unlawful orders. And even when I say that, people will still roll their eyes. Because they have no idea that when it comes to their particular rights and liberties, it's actually being violated. Now, the truth is this. If you feel as though, you know, it's a threat, you know, as far as the coronavirus to your life and to your family's life, you can still shelter in place. You don't need a governor a person in a white lab white lab coat, a mayor to tell you to stay in place, you can do that on your own. You would say, well, you know, what do they tell me to go back to work and stay home? You don't have to go to work. But then I won't get paid. Oh, oh, so now you're concerned about you getting paid now. So what do you think is going to happen if the economy stays closed permanently? Or for a very long time, what do you think is going to happen then in the long run? Oh, you won't get paid because more than likely your job's going to have cutbacks, it's going to have layoffs. And yeah, that's, that's what happens when the economy collapses. Are you beginning to understand what I'm saying now? The truth of the matter is, if you want to stay home, stay home. Stay home. You can stay home. You don't have to go out. You don't have to go out because the state says, okay, you can go out now. You don't have to. You can literally stay home. That is your choice. And then you hear the argument of, well, we may overload the healthcare system. Now, if to be fair, is it possible? Sure, it's possible. Is the likelihood likelihood high? No, that's not going to happen. Now, in some hot spots like New York or New Jersey, potentially it's more uh, possible in those places, depending where you're at in those different, because I'm not going to say the entire state of New York because the entire state of New York is not being adversely affected by the virus. It's more or less 
New York City and the surrounding counties around New York City, and primarily North Jersey is the most heavily uh, hit areas of the coronavirus. So I'm not going to say the entire state, but particular areas within that state. So the whole point I'm trying to make is we have to begin to look at truth and facts. We got to look at it politically. Like, what what are our rights? What is the governor's authority? What is the mayor's authority? What is the the white lab coat technician authority? Who has the authority? And the reality is, the Constitution has invested the authority within us. In fact, let me just read to you. I live in Connecticut. Let me just try to be as practical as I can, so you'll understand what I'm trying to. Communicate. I'm going to read to you the Constitution of here in Connecticut. Now, this is the Constitution of the state of Connecticut. Article 1st, Declaration of Rights. The great and essential principles of liberty and free government may be recognized and established. Section 1. All men, when they are when they form a social compact, are equal in rights, and no man or set of men are entitled to exclusive public emoluments or privileges from the community. Number two, section two, all political power is inherent in the people, and all free governments are founded on their authority and instituted for their benefit and they have at all times an undeniable and indefensible indefeasible right to alter their form of government in such manner as they may think expedient and I'm going to stop there and those are only the first two sections of our declaration of rights for the state of Connecticut in other words the power has been invested in the people. But the deception is, if you look at what's going on today, you would think, man, we don't have any say that, you know, these, the governor can do whatever he wants, the mayor can do whatever they want, and we can't do anything to stop them. No, it's the opposite. They are not kings and queens. They are not, you know, some type of monarch somewhere. They are under the authority of the people. And for some reason, that has been turned around, misconstrued, Totally just, just, I don't know, just twisted. And what I'm saying is this, if there's an unlawful order that is given out by the mayor, by the governor, whoever, that goes against what is clearly stated in your, con your state constitution, then you don't have to comply with it. Sure, there may be some consequences because the majority of the people are living like we're living in a communist state and these people are dictators. But someone somewhere along the line is going to have to put their foot down and say, you know what, this isn't right. You can't tell me to wear a mask. You can't tell me to do this and do that if it goes against the law of the land. Because if we go down that path, if we continue to go down this path, then we, there will be more and more unjust laws or orders coming out in which you will abide by, you will have to abide by, even though they're unlawful. And this goes back to my story of Joshua and Caleb. They spoke the truth of the word of God. They spoke with authority. They knew what they were talking about. 
They knew what they should obey. But the other people, the, the majority of the people, they said, no, we don't want that because it's too frightening. Because that's the reality that's going today. We have our state constitution. All you got to do is look it up. You say, okay, this is our rights. This is what we should, should abide by. Either we can abide by that or we can abide by the, by the people who are trying to dictate to us what we ought to do, which is unlawful. And yet, just the way, just like how Joshua and Kittle, they were being threatened with being stoned, yeah, there are going to be people that are going to look at you like you're crazy. And you will be probably in the minority while they will be the majority. But one thing that you know you, you learn from the story of Joshua and Caleb was God was very fed up with the people that were not going to be obedient to what he already declared to be their land. And he was like, you know what, I want to, I want to, um, what do you say in Numbers 14? He says, how long will these people despise me? How long will they not believe in me? In spite of all, this, all the signs I have done among them, I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them. And I will make you a nation greater and mightier than they. He was so fed up with their attitude and their disobedience. He was going to strike them with pestilence and say, you know what, Psh, I'm done with y'all. And you know the rest of the story. They wander around. They wander around the wilderness for forty years, and it makes you wonder: Is that coming to America? Because the fact of the matter is, they wandered around. The, they they wandered around the wilderness for forty years, and unfortunately, even though Joshua and Caleb they spoke the truth, they wandered around with them because of the people's disobedience. But it makes you think, if we continue on this path of not understanding our liberties and rights and understanding what has been given to us as freedom and these, these rights in which God has given us that was instituted hundreds of years ago, hundreds of years ago, are we going to wander around in a circle being led by these tyrannical, unlawful orders for the next 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years and become more and more controlled, more and more enslaved, more and more in bondage, if you will, because we're too afraid to stand up for what's right. Because the Goliath, the sons of Anak, the, the giants of our day are exercising that level of control upon our minds, even though we're being totally deceived, not, not us, but Many of you may be, be being totally deceived by what they're telling, telling you to do. So the thing that we can take from this story is we need to be very, very courageous. We need to be very, very bold. And again, I'm not, I'm not even telling you to, you know, defy the order just to fight no, if you if if you want to stay in your house, then stay in your house. Stay home. But do not try to do not try to implement your perspective of a tyrannical leader and apply it as law because that type of idea, that type of thinking goes against what we literally have lawful 
authority in our own lives currently right now. So anyway, um, I just want to share that word with you guys. Um, have a blessed day and think about the things I've said and and continue to fight, continue to stand, stand up for what's right, learn about what is right. And may God be with you. All right, God bless.